dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. There's no better way to know about a leader than listen to them give their witness. In Acts chapter 26, St. Paul gives the witness of why he does what he does and why he does it the way he does it. Let's listen in and hear the lessons that St. Paul can teach us about our own leadership. Well, hi, everybody. As you know, I'm trying to lead you through a meditation on four of the great speeches of St. Paul in the Acts of the Apostles. I mean, from an orator of his caliber, who had spoken all over the world of his day and in so many different settings, it certainly is of value to take some time and listen to him and understand where he's coming from, and especially to listen in, and I want you to do this, listen in to how he speaks about who he is. Let's go ahead and start us off with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy Spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so we're looking at St. Paul as a leader and in, in so doing, we're, we're looking to see how his amazing life actually interfaces with our own. Because both he and us, we are charged with this mandate from Christ to enter into the world and to bring his gospel. He as the founder of churches and you as founders of families. You as, as volunteers, you as workers, as business owners, as professionals, and in many different spheres, so many of us, I mean, I think every Christian in the end is called to be a leader. Moms, dads, every once in a while people say, Father Nathan, I don't, I don't listen to your radio show. And I say, why? And they say, because you say it's about entrepreneurs and about business people, and that's not me. And I say, you know what? It's not true. I need to speak to the entrepreneur and the business person because few people do. But every Christian is called to lead. When you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ, the priest, the prophet, and the king. And therefore, as part of the kingship of Christ, you recapitulate, you, you, you participate again 
in the fact that when God made man and woman in the Garden of Eden, he gave them dominion over the beasts of the field and the birds of the sky and all of the plants and living things upon the earth. He asked Adam to tend to his garden, Eden, and to keep it. And he entrusted Eve to Adam as his helpmate in that great cause. And so that dominion of Adam and Eve over the earth was then recapitulated as Christ, the man, and God reigns over this earth upon the wood of the cross and is named as the king of the universe. Romans chapter 8 makes it very clear. God subjected all things to him so that he might subject them to God. And so in the same way, if you and I are members of his body, we carry out his mission. We carry out a kingly mission. All right? So it's not a question of whether or not you're called to lead. All of you are called to lead. It's just what the sphere of your leadership will be. Some of you have a more pronounced sphere of leadership. I say pronounced because I don't say more important. I don't say deeper. It, no, I say more pronounced. It's more visible. If you own a business and you employ 400 people, I mean, your sphere of influence is very profound. But it's not as pronounced as the, the sphere of influence of someone who employs 2,000 people. And it's not as pronounced as a sphere of influence of a cultural icon. You see what I mean? Like, but that doesn't mean that you're not called to lead. In fact, all of us are both leaders and followers in different ways. You might be a great leader in, in the specific small pond that you're in, and yet a terrific follower in, with respect to the bigger waters that are out there. It's, it's, it's a matter of learning how to use the influence that God gave you in the way that God wants you to so that his influence through yours is brought to bear. And here, remember that the real impact of leadership is not in how pronounced your leadership position is. It's in how deeply you carry it out. I think that there are few leaders in the world more powerful than parents. This is why at the St. John Institute, the nonprofit that I founded, we have an entire branch of our ministry dedicated to raising up families to lead, moms and dads, because the great you know, impact that is made by an individual is made to the degree that that individual was impacted by their parents. The depth of the touch of the heart of a mother upon the, the, the heart of her son or daughter, it's absolutely irreplaceable and it's absolutely immeasurable. And this is the impact that God designed. And that's why you taking the leadership on in your life, whatever your sphere of influence, be it parents, be it in business, be it in culture, it doesn't matter. But taking that on to say, my job is to render my influence potent unto God's designs. How can God Almighty use me and how does he want to use me for the very best of his designs, right? Now, the very first thing you got to understand about leadership is that it comes from the leader. 
Leadership cannot be imitated. It cannot be put on. You can act like a leader and wield power over people. That's for sure. You're given a position. Then you run your meetings on time. You cut people off. You do whatever. And that can effectuate the machinations of leadership. But that doesn't affect the profound influence that the leader can and ought to effectuate in the heart of his followers. When Gallup looked at, uh, to, took a poll of what the four qualities of leadership are, two of the four do not depend upon the leader at all. Two of the four depend upon the follower. Meaning you have vision is the first quality that comes from the leader, his ability or her ability to see things and to see where they're going. Passion, their ability to drive through, that's fine to inculcate those things, vision and passion. But the two, number two and number three of the list, vision is number one, passion is number four. Number two and number three of the list are the ability to be trusted and the ability to let others know that you trust them. And those are qualities that are bestowed upon the leader by the one who trusts or who follows. Thus, leadership is really, first of all, a question of cultivating character. The stronger my character, the more trustworthy my character, the more impact my vision and my passion will have to bring people into it and to follow. And this character is exactly what we see in St. Paul's speech before the King Agrippa. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Let's turn now to Acts chapter 26. Uh, Open your Bibles here. We're looking at Acts 26. This is St. Paul at the end of his life. He's in chains. He's been in chains, kept in custody in Jerusalem, been interrogated, been all kinds of terrible things happened to him. And now the king comes, King Agrippa. And St. Paul has already appealed to have his case heard by Caesar. So instead of saying, my trial will be had by the Jews, he says, I'm a citizen of Rome. I want my case to be heard by Caesar. And this means that he's going to be sent off to Rome so that his case will be heard in the Roman courts. But he has, before he goes to Rome, this last chance to speak. And this time to the, the one who reigns over Israel, the King Agrippa. And so it's a, he's standing in front of him in chains. And St. Paul gives a very moving speech. Uh, and one that in the end dec- wins the declaration of innocence from King Agrippa. And even the, the temptation of Agrippa where he admits that he too would like to be a Christian after listening to Paul. So it's an incredible speech. And what makes it so incredible is the way that Paul speaks with all sincerity about his experience and his testimony. Let's listen in. He says, I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I am going to make my defense today against all the accusations of the Jews, especially because you are familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. This is verse four. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and in Jerusalem 
is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they're willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial because of the hope in the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope I am accused by Jews, O King. Why is it thought incredible to any of you that God raises the dead? Well, that's a, that's a pretty important beginning here to his speech. He lays the groundwork in the very beginning of credibility. And he says, listen, you know, I've been myself a Pharisee. I'm, therefore, I lived as the strictest among you. And everybody here knows it. So that's pretty amazing. He's, you can't really deny his words uh, in terms of fervor or religiosity. Him, them coming from, you know, a Pharisee himself uh, and one who practiced it great and in the eyes of all was, was in fact approved of. And then he makes his point very clearly. The reason I'm being accused is because I believe in the hope that all of Israel believes in, all the people accusing me ought to believe in. I've simply stepped forward into a leadership position by saying that that hope has been fulfilled. And so I find myself opposed. What's St. Paul doing here? He's laying the argument out in a very sincere way. My leadership, my actions are coming from my conviction. It's a great question for all of us. Can we say the same? Does our leadership come from our conviction? If our leadership comes from our conviction and our conviction comes from our character, then our actions will be aligned with who we are, with our identity. And this is, in fact, the heart of great leadership because it makes us trustworthy and it makes our passion and our vision flow from a true inner source. It's called alignment, right? It's when everything that I do flows from who I am. And that alignment is a very persuasive. I'm actually thinks that alignment is what makes a leader authentic, right? When someone is authentic in their leadership and, and what is it that gives them the power of authenticity? It's that what they do and who they are, are coincide and you don't see any division between them. And here you have St. Paul saying, I'm going to be really clear for you guys. Everything that I did, I did because of my conviction. Now, you might judge me about that, but you cannot say that I'm not sincere. And since I'm sincere, you also owe me the respect of listening to what I have to say if, in fact, you are looking for truth. So he's, it's a very persuasive way of speaking. And I think it's also kind of a key for us to not be afraid to allow our personal convictions to influence what we do and why we do it. On the contrary, I'm convinced that Christians have an even greater responsibility towards this authenticity because everything that we do, we do as a part of our mission from the Lord to, to further the kingdom of God. Let's go back to the text again. Acts 26 here, and then Paul continues on. This is verse 9. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, 
I persecuted them even to foreign cities. This is a very important part here of Paul's speech. Here, Paul shows his own weakness. And I think this is absolutely astounding. Look at the details of what, of what he did. He says, number one, I was convinced. So he had um, an interior conviction against Christianity. Right? And then he said that he did many things to oppose Jesus. In Jerusalem, number one, he locked people up in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest. So he's saying that he himself used the very people that are opposing him now. He was employed by them to do their bidding, right? And he put people in prison for their own convictions because they were contrary to his. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. That's an extremely strong thing. You can almost ima imagine if that was you and you were a St. Paul and you have that kind of past with you. What, what do you turn, where do you turn with that past? What are you doing with the mistakes that you made in your youth? When Paul was doing all of this, it says in Acts chapter 8, he was a young man. So in the, in, in the power and the passion of his youth, Paul carries these scars with him of what he did back then. And now as he's turning to produce his ultimate defense for his life, he doesn't shy away from confessing what he did. I think this is an amazing thing. Many of us are running from our mistakes to this day. We, we're convinced that somehow our pasts are going to dictate our future. And well, they might from a human point of view. But from a Christian point of view, look at what St. Paul is showing us. The power of Christ and his love has released him from this past that he carries. Not by annihilating it, but by allowing St. Paul to fold it into his story. Like a tree that takes the scars and the wounds that life inflicts upon it as part of the history of its bark. So each one of us needs to look at our past squarely in the eye and place them in the hands of God and in his mercy, like did St. Paul, so that they don't carry us, but we carry them. That they don't dictate our future, that we in fact embody it and carry it forth boldly in love. This is an incredible moment of St. Paul's life and he's bearing witness to all of us who have these thoughts of what we did haunting us to this day. St. Paul did worse than you. He punished Christians often in the synagogues, tried to make them blaspheme. I mean, like, you get, and here he uses it to bear as part of his witness to why he's now a Christian. And it's because of this. Christianity allows you to worship a God of second chances, my friends. A God who, if you confess your sins, will show you mercy infinitely. A God who lifts up the sinner and, and makes the sin be a part of his song of salvation. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. All right, let's continue. Pick up your Bible again. Look at Acts 26, verses 12 to 18. Here you have St. Paul speaking about that moment of conversion. And it's so beautiful to me because the moment of his conversion is an encounter with Jesus Christ. 
And Jesus Christ tells him clearly, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. That great revelation of the name of Jesus is what Paul needed to convert. And, and Jesus goes on to say, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Holy cow, guys, did you hear that? What a mission. You can understand that St. Paul here in this speech, he's revealing what makes him strong. When you reveal your secret, you reveal the source of your strength. It's like Samson, whose source of his strength was a secret. It was the length of his hair, right? And Delilah wanted to get at him to kill him and hand him over to the Philistines. And so she betrayed him by learning what his secret was. And when she knew his secret, she could then have power over him. And she did betray him unto death in the Philistines. And here you've got St. Paul, who in Acts chapter 9, when he's converted, it doesn't say all this. This is all stuff that he kept inside. And finally, here in this speech, he reveals. And the mission that he received from Christ and that kept him faithful, he says, is to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Isn't that absolutely amazing? This is like the, the heart of a leader doesn't come from the position that he or she holds. The heart of leadership doesn't come from the possessions that you can have, nor does it come from the accolades or the awards that could be heaped upon your desk. The power of leadership comes from the inner fire. A relationship with your God. A relationship with your Father in heaven. And a mission from your Redeemer. There is no deeper source of Christian leadership than when your leadership on the outside aligns with your faith on the inside. If you could add the religious mystique of a genuine Christian believer to the skill set of a business professional, you would have a business professional whose actions in the business world were truly in alignment with the deepest part of him. Your leadership would go through the roof. Being a leader means being aligned. It means being authentic. Remember what we said there. And here you have St. Paul saying, everything that I did, my journeys, my writings, my preachings, my relationship buildings, my, in my navigation of stressful situations, my conflict resolution, all of the things, they're all flowing from this. Jesus Christ has asked me to do this for him. That means that St. Paul was incredibly aligned. Everything in his life was flowing from this. And here in this speech, he reveals this secret that the one whom he persecuted forgave him and sent him forth and it's interesting with what mission to preach the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that beautiful? 
It's because he himself was forgiven that he could turn and preach that forgiveness to others. Sometimes, again, you feel locked down. You feel like what your past has been and your sinfulness is just like some sort of like prediction of your future. St. Paul's there to say, no, God can make you through your own failings stronger and more apt to bring his glory into this world than without it. The greatest persecutor of the Christian church, Acts chapter 8, was converted in Acts chapter 9 by God to become its greatest proponent. My friends, don't let your littleness or your mistakes in any way cage you. You are forgiven by Jesus Christ in the proclamation of his name. As Catholics, you have recourse to the sacrament of confession. You know, as a priest, I find people don't use sacrament of confession. I don't know if they're scared of it or what. I think that they're not so much scared of their sins as they are scared of the greatness that God wants to do with them. When you run away from confessions, you're not running away from the priest and the sacrament. You're running away from your own future and the great things that God wants to do in you. Don't be afraid anymore. Walk in that light. Proclaim the gospel because it's a gospel for the forgiveness of sins. And St. Paul is its herald. How I wish that all of us in our positions of leadership could do the same as St. Paul. Believe in that God of second chances so much that you rise through them. You don't deny them. You make them part of your story because it's part of God's glory. The glory of his mercy that he pours out upon us. St. Paul became a leader through his broken past. That's what he reveals. And he uses it to speak to the heart of the king. So much so that at the end, the king himself is pondering becoming a Christian. What a glorious and amazing scene this is. The king who would be the one to persecute him unto death himself says, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? That's verse 28. And Paul says, whether short or long, I would to God, not only that you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. St. Paul uses everything. He uses his past. He uses his present. He uses the power of God because of this love affair that he has with Jesus Christ, a love affair that comes, as he tells us in this speech, from the forgiveness of his sins. What would happen if this day you let God set you free from your sins? What if you stop judging yourself, condemning yourself, limiting yourself, and you let God set you like a lamp on a lampstand? If you allowed his grace to permeate your souls, imagine the power and the glory and the fury of the gospel that your life would unleash in our world. That's what God wants you to do, and you can do it today. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.